Welcome to the Build Business Acumen Podcast, where we deliver practical knowledge and powerful guidance. Here is your futuristic host, Nathaniel Skula. Today I'm interviewing Donna Sarkar and Jeremiah Marble. Both are from Microsoft and Jeremiah started the Insider program over there. And now Donna actually runs it. So it's very interesting. Well, it's really great to be joined by you both. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. It's so awesome. Cool. So you're Jeremiah and you're, is it Donna? It's Donna. Donna. It is Donna. Donna. I'm not sure. I wasn't sure because of the, because of the spelling of your name. You exactly. Said, it's more efficient this way for all you nerds, you know, <laughs> and square less efficient than nerd. And then single N. You can call me a nerd. I'll, 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 I'll let, I'll let you. I am calling you a nerd. I am wow. quite, I am quite geeky. I'm You're not there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can't program, but I am quite geeky. You we say that, get you that's to program. Not true. Yeah. I, right. I would like to learn, but... Oh, look, we've got a candidate. We had a candidate. Hmm. But I'm just not sure, to be honest. My friend we Eric, he's been hassling Don't worry, we'll make you do the thing. He's been, he built me my new Windows machine. He's been hassling uh, me for ages to know how to I code. think we found a new victim, I, yeah, Jeremiah. Seriously. I think we found a victim. Maybe. We have no idea. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. The world of coding. Oh, yeah. It's magical. <laughs> magic <laughs> so so you guys both run you've created the windows insider program right well actually jeremiah and someone else started the windows insider program about five years ago it'll be five years in october yeah. he started and ran it for like what four years it's about four years and then i okay. came on board about two and a half years ago but the starting of the program he should tell that story because i was not there so we started out life as essentially an attempt to get lots and lots of uh, data in the guise of making the best operating system on the planet. And we realized that it's pretty important to, uh, as we're building an operating system for everyone on the planet, that we get uh, feedback from not only people who live in Silicon Valley and Redmond, uh, Washington, but also people who live in Nairobi or live in Nigeria or people who live in uh, Cambodia. So one of the things that has been probably one of the most gratifying things for me has been the ability to meet people all over, all over the world and understand how they're using technology to transform their communities and their lives. Yeah. So we started the program. How many people did you think you were going to get? We thought we'd get like five. <laughs> you, your mom, your sister. Yeah. Like, like, literally like we tweeted it to my three followers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we, we, we built the servers to, to scale for about 20,000 to 100,000 people. And then quickly we realized we were on, on track to get over a million insiders sign up for the program in the first week. Yeah. So we, we, we rapidly ran around, uh, ran around and uh, uh, cobbled together a couple more servers to handle the, the influx. And now we're uh, upwards of 16 million people all over the world. Yeah, it's pretty powerful. When I came on board, I, came, I used to work on HoloLens, leading the developer community there. And I'm used to a small, tightly knit audience of people. And I knew everybody in the HoloLens community because it's a new product. And here I show up like, oh, how many people do you have? They're like, a lot. Eight million. <laughs> At the time it was eight million. I'm thinking that's a lot of people. But it's been really amazing because we've learned that insiders, they definitely want to co-create with us, right? They want to give us their input and feedback on products because they truly know what their communities need. 
like for example, um, pieces of feedback we get that are very legit are, we need Windows downloads to be smaller because our network speeds are not that great in Ireland, right? Or Australia, or you know, um, anywhere in Latin America, most places in Africa. We in Redmond, Washington have never thought about download speeds because we live in a life of privilege. So they give us that kind of feedback. They all, we also get really amazing feedback from people who are maybe low vision, saying, actually, we need you know, our narrator tool to read these buttons out loud or those buttons out loud, and they're not doing it properly. So we rely on our insiders to tell us how people in their communities use our technology, because there's no way that we can know how everyone in the world uses our tech. We just can't know it. So it's been an amazing learning, just like life-changing experience. It's fantastic. It's such a big community as well. So you guys, you guys must know a lot about internal communication then. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, so in, internal communication is one of the things that uh, has sort of helped us get mm -hmm. where we are. So it, there's sort of, we, we, we think of it as sort of ring theory, right? Mm -hmm. So everything from getting builds of Windows operating system out to the world First things start out kind of rough uh, uh, hewn, uh, trying to, to fit it all together and make things work. They're buggy and we don't know. And then as it goes progressively further outwards, it gets crisper and clearer and, and right. things make more sense as it gets more polished. So with our internal communications, it's very much the same way in that you know, a lot of times we'll have an idea. Mm -hmm. So we have an idea that we want to learn more about how people are using their battery mm -hmm. uh, in places that aren't here. We're like, we have an idea. We don't know exactly yeah. what to do. And we'll kind of work with each other to, um, to iterate on the idea. And, and, and okay, oh, who, who needs a battery? Well, people who are offline. Mm -hmm. Who needs a battery? Well, people who are traveling. Well, mm -hmm. uh, who are like that? Well, entrepreneurs. Where are their entrepreneurs? Well, there's a whole bunch here in Redmond, but there's also a whole bunch outside in the world. Right. Where, where would be interesting places to, to go? So, okay, let's go to Nigeria mm -hmm. and work with entrepreneurs in Nigeria to understand how they use their battery life. And so if we think about communications as sort of starting from one or two people who mm -hmm. want to communicate a message all the way out to who's going to eventually receive the message who might right. not be privy to the internal decision making that mm -hmm. we had. I mean, it's helpful to think about it in sort of an iterative uh, mm -hmm. ring sort of uh, uh, theory that gets better and better and better as it goes along. Yeah, we're a big experiment and learn team where we'll try, say there's, there's a thing we'd like to communicate, like Windows Insider Program wants to encourage our insiders to do social good projects okay we want this message to spread yay so how do we do it first we'll create a message um and try to flight that flight that message with maybe five people what does flighting mean flighting it's like test out this message with five people that we know who are pretty close to our team right so we'll choose like Probably won't, won't choose our managers, <laughs> but we'll choose other people. <laughs> they're, yeah, get they're, if you're listening, yeah. you're awesome. We love you, managers. <laughs> you're so you're very good people. Best managers we ever. never keep anything from no, you nothing. ever. We would never so, do that. <laughs> just not true. Yeah. Okay. Um, so we we usually would try out the message with a partner, uh, maybe five partner trade teams, right? People we worked with before, people who don't think we're crazy all the time, and we'll get their very feedback. Short list, very, very short list. Very short list. Very short. So we'll get. Their Back on this message and we'll incorporate it and we call this process co-creating where we have an idea we test it with someone very specific five groups of people and these people are representative of the kinds of people we want to receive this message on the right. in general 
And it's sort of so, flipping the model on its head. Like exactly. in the old day, you'd sort of have this amazing idea yeah. and you'd sit in your cubicle and yeah. you'd work, work, work. And yeah. then when you were done, you'd hit send and it'd go out to everyone. Everybody in the company. But when you do like, things like that, you turn that. it turns out not to work. No. So it's really important to get, even even mm-hmm. before the idea is fully baked, right. the, the, the communications out right. there, it's important to get feedback and to co-create with, with some of the people who will be and recipients. We've also learned by doing that, it gets people bought into the idea from day one, right? Then suddenly our partners are like, oh, I want to plug into this too. So for example, we had the message of Windows Insider should be doing social good projects. So we reached out to our partners in Azure and they have this thing called the Microsoft Student Partners. And they said, oh, we want to plug into this because we want all of our Microsoft student partners who are the Microsoft evangelists on campuses all over the world to also be thinking about social good impact, right? Social impact. How can we use our tech for good? So they said, we would love for your insiders to plug into this. So now we are actively building a pipeline by which any insiders who are students can learn all the skills to become a Microsoft student partner as well. So next ring will be, you know, they're now evangelizing for us. So when you include people in the messaging, they tend to evangelize because it's now an us thing rather than like an us thing. We kind of think of co-creation as kind of like rock soup. So I'm exactly. kind of hungry. Yeah. Uh, what am I going for lunch? I have yeah. this rock and I have some cabbage. Okay, yeah. throw it into a pot with yeah. some water. Yeah. Next person comes along, throws yeah. in a carrot. Yeah. Next person throws in some chicken. Next mm-hmm. person throws in some parsley. Yeah. At the end of the day, you have like this amazing stew that right. I need from. Right. But, it, but it, it doesn't start out with only your contribution. It right. takes the sort of the work of everyone co-creating. Exactly. Um, meal. Mm-hmm. So that's our method. It, it tends to work quite well. So by the time it reaches upper management, you know, Satya and Kohir about it. We love it. you. It's awesome. We give love us, you, Satya. Give us Satya so good. Yes, thank you. Um, so by the time it reaches Satya and Co, there most people have already heard about it, and they're not just like these two are obviously insane. What is going on yeah. with these people? So, um, so by the time it gets up there, everyone already kind of knows and is bought in. Yeah. And we operate under the assumption that anything we come up with will go external. So we no secrets, no secrets. Yeah. We don't keep, we're extremely transparent people. And uh, we, every company should assume this. If you write an email, assume it will get, someone's going to take a picture. Yeah. Someone's going to like yeah. tweet it. Assume it's going to get leaked. So just write it as if it's, um, exactly. as if it's going to be in the front page exactly. of the New York times. Always. I know that's a long. That's really cool. That's really interesting. So it's a bit like creating like an ice cream or something. Like if you're a, if you're an ice cream manufacturer, you might run a competition for people to taste an ice cream, right? So, so then you come up with the recipe, don't you? And, and it's exactly what you're doing with internal communications. It's, it's brilliant. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. It's clearly working. You have to co-create. It's clearly working. You've got so many people involved with that. We've learned a lot. I mean, a lot. like a lot, a lot of the best learning. We, we, we also have a saying, sometimes you learn, sometimes you, sometimes you win, sometimes you learn. Yeah. We, we've learned a lot. Let's we've say. learned a lot. Yeah. We've won a few things. We've learned a lot. So in the process of some of the experiments that haven't gone as well as we had hoped, mm-hmm. uh, we, we certainly learned how to do things better the next time. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, believe me. I, I, I understand that. <laughs> yeah. I bet you do, Mr. 100 <laughs> Podcasts in 100 Days. Yeah, yeah. 100 Podcasts in... Very short amount of time, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, in terms of kind of managing teams, what, mm-hmm. where do you start with that if you want to get something? If you want to get something done. Um. So the way I think about managing teams is not so much managing, but more assembling a group of Avengers, right? Because as soon as we get into the business of managing, that puts the responsibility on me, the manager, to manage all these people to do the thing, right? And it stops being about the individual and about the specialness of this unit we've created, 
So we believe in hiring very diversely, not from just how we look on the outside, but skill sets and backgrounds. So what we do is say, what are we trying to do? And usually it's something crazy and uh, new and potentially frightening and something we have to communicate to upper management in a convincing way. So we've learned that if you hire really, really um, motivated people, it doesn't matter what skill sets you need to learn. They will learn the skills. So we've learned that as soon as you hire people who kind of want to do the thing, they will learn whatever it takes. Um, so what I tend to do is build up a team of people who have varying skill sets and varying degrees of interest. Like um, I have a filmmaker on my team. Like he's just, we're all software engineers, but he's a filmmaker. I don't know why I need a filmmaker, but I think at some point I'm going to need a filmmaker, right? We've I got a context. I need, I need yeah. one. You need a filmmaker. <laughs> yeah. Everyone needs a filmmaker. Clearly. Yeah. And what he brings to the you table. You can't have ours. You can't have mine. <laughs> you can no. Him to me. <laughs> no. 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 But he's he can convince anyone to do anything, right? Because being a filmmaker, you have to go control these temperamental actors to behave with like no budget, no budget, you know. So he can cajole anyone into anything, and he can organize a group of people to do a thing in one time, in one time, one moment of time. So it's an amazing superpower he's got. Plus, he's a great photographer and videographer, which is a very good skill set to have yeah. when you're dealing with a community of millions of people. Um, I've also got like a comic book expert who is also really into like nerd stuff. That's very helpful when you're dealing with a community of nerds, right? I don't know that much about Star Trek or Star Wars or all of this, but Brandon on my team is an expert. And then we've got Jason who's done customer support forever. And he's just like, no nonsense can get to the heart of a problem in like two minutes. So these people, super different than me, but we've hired them to come together to kind of solve this problem of how do you manage this global community of millions of people? And I don't manage them. Each of us have uh, like individual contributor work. My job is to come up with crazy schemes. Their job is to tell me no and also make some of them happen, right? <laughs> so I, the way I think about managing teams is very much like figure out what you're not good at, hire for those things and leave them the heck alone. Do not go micromanaging after you've hired people who are literally experts in their field. So a couple of other things to, to add on to that. Yeah. So, so, so first, the importance of, of hiring a diverse set of folks. Oh, yeah. um, and that's, that's not only some of the traditional definitions of, of diversity. No. It's sort of like some, where someone grew up. Right. Like where, what, what are the set of experiences that led them mm -hmm. to this place? What are the right. things that they're passionate about? Where do they come from? Right. So, so if you even take a bunch of folks who may look the same mm -hmm. externally, all of them bring their own unique uh, creativity and passion. And, and some, of the, some of the outcomes of that is, is proven with data, but here are two anecdotes from our team. So um, we, were, we were trying to get together and, and, and figure out what, what color should our t-shirt be, right? So a very, very important team t-shirt. What, what color should our t-shirt be? And it's amazing how many opinions there are. Yeah. So he and I decided we're going to just make a choice. We're like red. Red is the best red color ever. Red looks good on me, therefore we should Obviously. use red. So we're going to yeah. go with red, yeah. and, you know, which is way less boring than dark gray or some of the yeah. other sort of like, uh, uh, techie t-shirts. Techie right. <laughs> one, one of the folks on my team grew up in Cleveland. He's African-American and, and uh, from relatively lower income uh, mm -hmm. uh, by, by background. And he, he pointed out very accurately that in parts of the United States, someone wearing a red t-shirt is perceived part of the, the, the Crips uh, uh, gang. And so you, you, by wearing a red t-shirt, you're signaling something that you might not be intending, which is something that I had never thought of. I never occurred to me. It was just it like literally something that never crossed yeah. my mind because I've only been to Cleveland for like three days, right? Yeah. So um, having, having that uh, background uh, made, it, made it possible for, for us to make even that sort of relatively 
uh, minor decision of, of the key, the t-shirt color. Another, another example was when we were working with a, a bunch of uh, uh, entrepreneurs in, in Lagos, Nigeria, one of the social entrepreneurs we were working with was working with a, a, a band of, of, of children to recycle trash. So they would convert the trash that was lying around and, and, and make it into something uh, useful, like, like uh, uh, fuel to, to cook with. And so one of uh, the, the folks on our team grew up in rural India, and she pointed out, hey, we need to be very, very careful, we as Microsoft supporting this particular entrepreneur, because very easily it could be uh, sort of against child labor laws. Mm -hmm. And so that, that's literally something that, we, that we're like, hey, we, we, we love recycling. We love the idea right. of, of transforming trash into, into something good. But like we never thought about the social implications of, of supporting something. Like that. So the importance of diversity sometimes comes out in, in surprising ways yeah. uh, over and beyond the business outcomes. The second thing that sort of Donna mentioned was the importance of focusing on the individual. So, you know, providing some sort of clear framework. Here are our goals. Here are the ways that we're... Uh, 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 proving that we're me measuring that we're achieving these goals, but then allowing each person to bring their full self to work. And so, you know, you might not be expecting a, a filmmaker who happens to code to bring a, a tremendous amount of creativity to the project, but just that the fact that they're able to um, uh, leverage some of the unique skill sets that are across the board um, would help out. Mm -hmm. And I think one last, one last management trick that I have sort of uh, uh, learned the hard way is the importance of providing, you know, like co-creating with them. Mm -hmm. Like no one's going to get it right the first time. It is a process of experimentation. Mm -hmm. It is sometimes you win, sometimes you learn. But sometimes people act in ways that they, they don't intend uh, or they, they, they're delivering results that are under, under what you don't expect. So the importance of criticizing in private mm -hmm. and, and taking someone aside and saying, hey, look, here are the expectations that we had. Um, here are some of the ways in which I, I, I think that you know, the, the, the results could be better. Um, what are the ways that we can work on that privately? privately. And then when you want to praise someone, like, hey, you're doing exactly. a great job. You, 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 you sing that from the rooftops. Mm -hmm. You're like, hey, you send emails to everyone. You, you, you mention them in a team meeting. You, you send it to their boss's boss's mm -hmm. boss. And just, just praise loudly. And the, the effect that, that having public praise has on someone is pretty, pretty magnificent. So I think those are the three main management mm -hmm. techniques that I've uh, learned in, the, in this role. So I've got two more, um, which are kind of related. One is creating a safe space for everyone to bring their whole self to work, right? It's a big mission of Microsoft is bring your whole self to work and use Microsoft's platform to achieve your passion. And the manager is really important in that. It's really important because if the manager is like, Oh, bring your whole self to work. Actually, why are you doing that in nope, your spare it's Tuesday, time? Tuesday, I need to be working on this exactly. other thing. <laughs> That's not helpful. Recently, we've heard of a manager being very critical of an employee, not one, no one on our team, um, about you know working on a pers personal passion project at home, and then talking about that passion project at work. Like, oh, I, you know, I didn't know you were working on this creative project. How dare you have a life outside of work? Exactly. Oh, yeah. make sure. Are you sure you didn't use any work time for this? Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I'm sorry, but that's really, that's very, very bad behavior. I consider that to be incredibly disrespectful because yeah. this is like saying, oh, you're a parent. You are not here exactly at 8 a.m. You know, how dare you? Right. That's that kind oh, of. Oh, you change too many diapers yeah. in your spare time. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So it's I, the exception, not the, not the norm. It but really is, is an exception. When I hear it, important. it makes me really angry because what you're saying then is don't actually bring your whole self to work. Right. So we are um, firm advocates to bring yourself to work. The other one is 
aren't understand the currency of the human. So each person, so each person we manage or lead or have on our team have a different currency for what motivates them, right? Yeah. Some it's more opportunities. Others it's fame. It's fame, right? Like I will drag you on stage and put a spotlight on you. Some, some people that's their worst name. <laughs> exactly. That's ours. We're that's like, really yours. We love fame. Um, Make me famous. But some people hate that. They're like, don't yeah. make me famous. Oh, no. Right? Yeah. yeah. Like, we have someone on our team named Blair where he does not want fame. Blair, looking at you. Yeah. Sorry, Blair. Um, <laughs> You're good to work, though. He doesn't want me to drag him on stage. He doesn't want me to, you know, announce. Petrified. He doesn't want me to announce him on Twitter. He doesn't want these things. He wants to do a good job and be rewarded for his good job. Very quietly. Quietly. So it really is the currency of the human. That's been my latest learning is the way I like to be rewarded is not like how everyone else likes to be rewarded. So it really comes down to a conversation with the person to ask a really important question, which was when you did good work, what was the best reward you've ever gotten? And <laughs> oh, um, another one. Sits, sits, sits on there anyway. <laughs> <laughs> people keep doing um, that to me and I've copied me and I'm like I'm like no not another one <laughs> no not that so yeah that's one thing we've learned which is um figure out someone's reward currency and use that right because many people it's oh I want the freedom to travel or I want the freedom to buy new hardware like people have the weirdest currencies or I want to be involved in other teams businesses like if someone, if my manager is like, Hey, I want you to get involved with X teams meetings. I'm like, why are you doing this to me? To him, this would be the great best reward in the world. I'm like, why are you giving me more meetings? Wait, to me? No, not to Oh me. yeah, to your manager. <laughs> yeah, to my manager. He's not me. But then like, um, you know, Brandon on my team, if I go and involve hi, Brandon. Him in, hi Brandon, if I involve him in other teams business, he's so happy. Right. I'm like, hey, do you want to go see what the Excel team is doing? He's, he's like, like, oh my God, this is exciting, so yeah. fun. Meanwhile, if you wanted me to go to the Excel teams meeting, no offense, Excel team, I don't really want to go, right? So it really is the reward currency and it is so important for a manager to understand that for each person and take the time to do it and then life becomes way better for, for everybody, yeah. for everyone. Wow, that's really interesting. That's, that's fantastic. It's just such we will a talk you to death. life lesson. You think you yeah. want? Yeah. <laughs> we will talk you to death. You only have one hour. You say. Yeah, I know. Well, we've, and we're got, like, we've got twenty-eight <laughs> more minutes. We've got twenty-eight <laughs> minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go. But no. So so this leads beautifully into yeah. interpersonal skills, right? I'm trying to work on mine. I'm not going to lie. I don't come from a big business background. I don't get out enough. I work too hard. I probably don't talk to enough people and I get nervous. I say stupid things. Yeah. I might get emotional and write, write the wrong email. Right. And I'm sorry for that. I'm trying to get better. Right. So interpersonal skills are just continual learning, aren't they? Like we, we just realize that we're not perfect. We're human. Right. And we're trying to get better. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. my yeah. attitude. Yeah. 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 I think for, for me, I, I constantly am, am learning, let's say, you know, not, not a ton of wins, a whole bunch of learnings. <laughs> no, but what, one of, one of the things that I uh, work at a lot is just trying to listen more. I, I try whatever I can not to impose my point of view. I, I always have a point of view. I always think that my point of view is right. I always think that, you know, I am better informed than everyone else in the world. <laughs> I am certainly biased. Um, but I, I, I try consciously to work on um, on just listening more. You know, it, it's surprising just the things that people will tell you just by asking them. Like, what's the, so? Why is this important to you? Right. Shut up. Stop <laughs> you know? talking. And then, then, then I tell you why it's important. And if you're listening, you know, 
certainly there's some amount of guile in guys and people don't say exactly what they mean. Um, but to some extent, if you just ask people the question, mm -hmm. they will they will tell you the answer. They will tell you who they are because no one ever asks. And that you know the the, the under underlying um, motivation like we, that we're talking about like all, all of these things like listening more, co-creation, uh, just the, the, the making a safe space for someone to be the, themselves um, creates this really richness that you can um, have the ability to, to your point. You can send someone a short email if you have a deep amount of trust with that mm -hmm. person. It's like, hey, I need you to do this right now, trust me. Yeah. But if you don't know that person, no. and, and we, we get those texts all the time, like, and, and we do them, right? Yeah. But if you don't know the person, you're like, wait a second, you just sent me a one-line email and I don't really know you that well. Yeah. And now I'm worried, like, oh, yeah. what do you, do you think badly of me? Yeah. Do you, like, did someone say something? And, mm -hmm. and it sort of, it, it unlocks this spiral on you. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you, if you put in the time, you put you know, money into the relationship bank, mm -hmm. then on those times when you need to make a, a withdrawal, it becomes way easier. So mm -hmm. listening more, putting more time into understanding what someone's currency is, um, reinforcing that, you know, putting putting more work into a relationship, even a, even a relationship at work, it tends, you know, we, we end up spending a lot of time at work. Mm -hmm. And so the more that you invest in any relationship, the better it tends to get. Um, even if even if it's sort of a difficult person to work with, like, hey, you, you, you at least develop a, a begrudging respect for the other person. So listening more, trying to understand what their motivations, what the currency is, trying to invest in that relationship wherever you can, um, you know, help, helps make the, the communication and helps make the interpersonal relationships a little bit better um, the more you put in. So mine is, you know, people use that line, like, I'm not here to make friends. Oh, I'm the opposite. Ooh. Yeah, I'm always there to Those make friends. Those people are lying. Yeah, they're, they're lying. Lie. <laughs> yeah, they don't, they don't you know, last anyone who's like, I'm not here to make friends. Yeah, I'm like, Good luck I'm, with that, I'm always here to yeah. make friends. Yeah. I'm like, what? I'm at a zoo with a bunch of strangers. I'm here to make friends. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know again. it's like giraffes I, are like you're back. We spend our lifetimes at work, away. right? Yeah. We spend the majority of our waking hours at work. Why would you not make friends? Are you insane? That would just be boring. That would too. be boring, yeah, yeah. right? Plus, everything is then a confrontation or yeah. you know something How rather than like you? a friendly conversation. So I think first thing I do is make friends with everybody. I'm like, tell me everything, all of it, the whole enchilada. She literally says that. First and thing. I, yeah. I said it to him too. So. Yeah. I, I want to know everything about this pre-human because I love humans. They're so interesting. Why we do things, how we do things, what is our reasoning, like what is our technique and our method. And I always love to learn from people about what, why they're doing it and how they're doing it, right? So I always like to move to a text texting relationship as soon as possible. What's a texting relationship? So texting relationship is like email is boring and for like, you know, old people. Um, like but, me. <laughs> right, like him. He sends email to people. Lots I don't even emails. know how to send email. Yeah. Like, <laughs> or, um, or read them apparently. So I, I don't read anyone's email. Um, but <laughs> I like to move to a texting relationship where we have each other's phone numbers and we text okay. each other. You notice that everyone in the world has your email, but very few people have your phone number. And the people yeah. that do, you're crank yeah. callers or yeah. you trust them? Right. The people who have your number, you trust, right? So my goal is always to have people's number in my phone and to have my number in their phone. So once we've reached that point, I believe we trust each other. So that's my metric. Like, do they have my number? And often it's as simple as like, hey, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, oh my God, I love talking to you. This is super interesting. Um, can I get your number so I can text you random shit in weird times? And they're usually like, okay, sure. Cat sounds videos. good. Um, <laughs> But it's it's usually like you that. You think I'm kidding? But oh, when, <laughs> no, I would do that. But you're gonna get cat videos. You're gonna get cat videos, yeah. Nathaniel. Uh, wait, wait, wait. Uh, 
Not yet. I didn't oh, get okay. a chance. Oh, no. Watch out for the cat videos. Wait, wait, but, wait, wait. I've got something I've been saving for the cat what? videos. Hold on, hold oh. on. Oh. Wow. Where did you get that? That's My friend made it for me. Wow. <laughs> that is the best. It's cool, that right? That is so first I was I was impressed. Let me let me let me say this. I was impressed by the tower bridge behind you, but but Amazing. that's I the icing it. on the so that must have a name. What do you what, what do is you your name it? for that? This that is mean? just this is just the finger. The finger. The finger? Yeah. Bring out yeah. the finger. So the to finger. anyone that's that's not watching this and listening, this I love is the it. 3D printed <laughs> little finger. <laughs> finger, everyone. Wait, guess the yeah, problem, yeah, but nope. the problem is that I've got this childlike mentality, you see. And opportunity, opportunities. But that, but, but what do you do though with interpersonal skills? How do you how do you mix that? You try and communicate on the child, on the childlike. Yes. Yes. You have to. You have to because ultimately everyone's an imposter. It's all storytelling. Right? We all feel like we don't belong here. It's a yeah. fraud, and we got here by accident. Everyone. Some, someone made oh. a mistake in hiring. Yeah. Right. There's a lot of people who made Every a mistake in hiring. I'm sure Satya yeah. wakes up. Satya Nadella, Satya the CEO of Microsoft. I'm sure he wakes up. He's like, "What the hell am I doing? Did I get here?" He also doesn't say what the hell. Yeah. But did I say hell? I thought I said heck. Well, Satya oops, sorry, probably Satya. no. He probably like well, meditates. Like I and said, about this. he definitely doesn't. Maybe he says, "I don't know." <laughs> I don't know. But you know, everyone, they say CEOs have the worst imposter syndrome because they're like, what incarnation am I doing running this billion dollar company? $100 billion right? company. It's a big company. Um, it's yeah. a big company. But I believe that most people have imposter syndrome. And when you connect at that level, I open with vulnerability. Like, will you help me with this thing? Because I have no idea what I'm doing. And you seem to know. And everyone's like, uh, got it. You know, everyone sure. wants to help. Everyone wants to help. Yeah. And yeah. then I'm like, this is awesome. You are so helpful. Thank you. You open with vulnerability and you close with gratitude. And I think it works every time. Yeah. So it's what my dad taught me. He, yeah. he went, cause we, we, we used to work in a, well, he had a winery back in the day. Oh, wow. So I grew up. I knew I liked you. Yeah. I grew, well, I grew up in, in, in the middle of Sussex in the middle of the woods. And when mm. I was six years old, my dad decided he was going to build a winery on top of my mum's vegetable garden. So oh. <laughs> Um, so How did your mom like that? Yeah, he's American. <laughs> he's from Connecticut. Yeah, uh, and, and so he, he basically he, he dug this massive hole in the ground with a digger, and hired some builders, <laughs> and then they and then they built this 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 <laughs> barn. They moved this barn from like it's a 16th century barn from 40, 20 miles down the road, and put it up and had a winery there. You see, and. What he did he said, tell you about first? Or was it a <laughs> secret? Surprise. Oh, no, I, I don't think... Well, they got divorced a few years later. But ah, I, I think that probably had a lot the, to do about, with it. About the winery. Probably had a lot to do with it, to be fair. But he always used How to was say... Was it good? <laughs> well, we used to we used to supply the historic royal palaces and and like wow. so it was pretty good, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It was like um, mead to the states, like honey wine. We used to sell it in all the fine oh, restaurants wow. in New York. We were in Whole Foods. Um, I've had meat. I've always, I would love with to. With Ethiopian food, I've had it. There we go. No. I bet you've read Beowulf, haven't you? I have. What? You've read Beowulf, <laughs> yeah. He's not that old. Oh, okay. So you see, my dad's theory was... Uh, it's old English. Because oh, okay. my dad went to school in America, right? And he's like, uh, oh, well, everyone would have read Beowulf, so they know what mead is. Oh, got it, got it, got it. Yeah, we know what meat is. She's no, had, I don't know I'm, what I'm meat not... is. I know honey wine is because oh, I had it with Ethiopian thing. food. Yeah. I didn't know. I know what meat is. What is mead? 
Now anyway, we know. Back to what I was trying. Back to what I was trying. <laughs> yeah. And my yeah. 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 So open with vulnerability. Be like, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. Know but my so dad, what he used yeah. to say was, he would say, he would go up to someone and he'd be like, I know what I need them to get. I know what I need them to do. All yeah. I need to do is I need to tell them I've got a problem and ask right. them what the solution is. And then they're going right. to suggest the solution that I know is what I want them to do anyway. Right. That's exactly what you're saying, right? Yes. yes. So we call it the here we go. We call it the currency of the human. Dun, 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 dun. Um, so here, <laughs> oh, I, I, I have a talk on this called "How to Get Anything You Want." One or two talks. Um, and the entire basis of the talk is this: it's that when you have something that you need done, right? Like I need um, Jeremiah to give me one million dollars. Nope. Sorry. Okay. So no. So I need Jeremiah to like, actually, here's, here's a real thing. I need him to make a list of the cities that we need to do a dev event at. Here we okay? go. So there, we're doing a dev event in June. That's not far. Yeah. This one needs to choose the cities. When's it, how about London? Okay. Okay. Perfect. So I, I need one. him to choose the cities. Halfway he's there. not choosing because he's doing other things. Okay. Now, like here, work. Like work. So what I would do instead of being like me, Hey, Jeremiah, I need you to make a list of cities, blah, blah, blah. That's a lot of me, me, me. That right? never works. So what I do is I figure out the currency of the human. What are Jeremiah's goals? What are his motivations? What are his conflicts? Right? So his goal is that we have teach to every, teach everyone, teach everyone in the world to code. His motivation is he deeply believes that everyone should have equal opportunity to technology. Regardless and three, of the conflict. From. Yeah. The conflict is that it's really hard to do, right? Really hard. Really hard to do that. <laughs> so how do we do it through local events? Magic. So what I would do is say, hey Jeremiah, you know, I've been thinking about that goal you have of teaching everyone in the world, making sure everyone in the world has the equal opportunity to learn tech skills. Oh, wow. That is my goal. That is your goal. Hmm. Um, so I know that that's your goal. And how's your progress going on it? And he'd be like, oh, it's, oh, going it's pretty okay. Well. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, oh, there. I know we talked about those local events you want to have in many, many cities. I'm really excited about those local events. And I, someone yeah. had mentioned you want to do them in June. Yeah, right? June. Yeah. 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 Like, oh, cool. Awesome. Um, so is that something that you're still planning to do to achieve your goal, et cetera, et cetera? Is there any way I can help? Yeah. And then he's going to be like, I guess I should make a list of Probably cities. Probably should make a list of cities. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and he's come up with this by himself. By myself. Yeah. yeah. And Clever. my thing is always using their words. Clever. So fig figuring out their words and using their words back at them. So however he says his goal, I say it back at him. But it takes a little bit of stalking, right? You need mm. to like research this person. Researching, investigating, yeah. so looking it up. It takes a little bit of stalking this person Banging. to understand like what... <laughs> <laughs> what words they use and what they care about. Um, my thing is, if you don't know the currency of the human, you're not in a position to influence them. Right. I get it. Right. Yeah. So this fits into teamwork. How do you get it to work? We've got 10, <laughs> 10 minutes for the team. Five minute relaxed yeah. conversation. Oh, we're, we've been relaxed all the time. Oh, yeah. We're yeah. chill. Yeah. I thought I'm this relaxed was relaxed anyway, to be fair. Teamwork. <laughs> yeah. What do you want to talk about with teamwork? Well, where do you start with with managing not not managing a team? I mean, like yeah. you said, you said that it starts with choosing the right team, didn't you? Right. That's that's what you that's what you started with. So, first of all, okay, you're obviously going to work out what sort of team you need to deliver the kind of projects that you need to deliver, right? So, yeah. once once you've worked that out and you've got your team members, okay. How do you kind of gel them all together to work together when they're all totally different people? 
Yeah, so I, I think one of the things that is most useful uh, when when working with a team. So, so so first is having a clear goal. What why are you together as a team? Are you there to win a sports championship? Are you there to you know deliver a certain thing by a certain date? Are you there to make a report? Are you there to teach the world to code? Like why are you all in, in the place working together? So if everyone's not bought in on that. You don't have the right team. No, you yeah. don't have the right team. Yeah. And there's a whole bunch of things you can do at, at that point. Mm -hmm. But but step one really is mm -hmm. have a common goal. Have mm -hmm. something that you're aiming for. Step two is, as we sort of talked about, um, attracting a diverse set of folks who can represent a whole bunch of different viewpoints and bring them on and, 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 and hopefully have them passionate about the, about the same uh, end, end result. Third is create the sort of safe space for them to be themselves and they can bring their, their whole self to work. And you know, be part of the team and achieving the the business results as well as feeling like they're uh, empowered to do the things that they really want to do. And then at that point, then it's sort of like foster an environment of trust such that people actually can deliver feedback. Not everyone does their best work every single day. Not every result is exactly what you want. Trust that someone will tell you when they think that you're you're going slightly off course. And second, you also want to be able to trust that that conversation isn't the end of the relationship and you have to quit and do something else. Right. So fostering an environment of trust such that you respect them as a person, you acknowledge that everyone has days when they or their family are sick, they or their families are, are, work, are worried about something else. Like make sure that they, 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 can, they can really be themselves at work and then provide a framework for them to, to achieve the things that you need. Like, uh, pray, praise uh, publicly, uh, mm -hmm. criticize privately. Right. And, and then at that point, then it sort of, it kind of runs itself. You know, the ma management and teamwork are kind of the same thing in, in a well-oiled machine. So you, it, it's, it's way less, um, hey, I need you to deliver this report by five o'clock today. It's more like, hey, what can we together mm -hmm. do to accomplish our goal? Hey, we have a very important meeting tomorrow. Wouldn't it be awesome to have a pre-read for, for our, the mm -hmm. person we're going to we meet, meet with? Right oh no, we probably need to send that to them soon. Who's going to do that? Oh, you're going to do that. That's awesome. That's great. Do you need any help with that? I'd love to help you with that. Mm -hmm. and, so, and so it's sort of like, it's, 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 not, it's not, you know, an iterative process. It really is the entirety of, of like trying to achieve something. Like one, one thing builds on the other and you, no single thing stands by itself. So one thing I like to use, I haven't done, not, not done a very good job of it, is that thing where you say, this person is the owner. This person is a contributor. This person is an approver, right? Clarifying the roles. Yeah, clarifying the roles. I feel like that's the biggest issue in teams that usually happens. Yeah. People are like, no one knows who owns it. Oh, no, that's not my job. Or it's like, oh, it's not my job, or I think I own it, or I think I own it, all of this. My thing is, who is fired? Right. It's forget all this ownership business. Ownership yeah. sounds fun. Being fired is not fun. So it's like, don't <laughs> be willing to own something that you're not willing to be fired for, right? right? ask everyone if this thing doesn't get done who is fired and it shouldn't be everyone in the room that's not very good it's usually, Donna. It's usually me i'm yeah. like okay i'm fired yeah. um but ownership i think of as like who is fired contributors are not fired they they contribute and they only contribute once the owner says okay here's what we need to be contributed yeah. and approver is usually like some upper management somewhere right 
So that's how I think about teamwork is breaking it down. And this is a really good reminder to actually do this with my team. Like now we have a new set of projects and such and such. And maybe for you guys too, yeah. is to say, what do you, what are, what do you own as in what are you fired for if it doesn't get done? Who are the contributors? You list them. Like the owner decides these are the contributors and contributors. If they don't contribute, they're also fired. Um, and then the approver should be like someone, maybe not you every time, right? Maybe yeah. the uh, approver should be someone else. But that I feel really helps um, with autonomy. And I found that when people have autonomy to do their work, yeah. they actually do really good work. And it doesn't have to be huge autonomy. Oh, here's like, you know, $10 million and do this work. It's usually... I would love $10 million. I would love that too. Yeah. Have, but usually yeah. it's like your job is to write the weekly newsletter every week. It's our job to help you get the content. If you need help getting the content, tell me. But I'm going to rely on you to write the weekly newsletter that goes out every Friday right? And you own that. We are all contributors and the approver is probably just yourself unless you want someone else to be the approver. So I found when you put it on the owner to decide all of the other roles, it actually works out incredibly well rather than me assigning all the roles, right? So in teamwork, it is for me specifically, it's about empowering others to make their own decisions and make their own choices over who they want involved in their business in the first place. Right. So it's less about management and more about leading, yeah. right? Exactly. Yeah. Inspiring and inspiring. Yeah. And one of the things yeah. I've learned the hard way is often I have to do step one with them, right? So say when I want to do starting things is hard. Yeah, starting is hard. So yeah. a lot of people get paralyzed because they want to do it perfect. Yeah. So often I will do the shittiest first draft you've ever seen. Author's term. Yeah. Author term. Shitty first draft. It came so, from Hemingway. How can you not like it Hemingway? It did not come from Hemingway. Yes. It came from the Anne first Lamont. Draft. The first draft of everything is shit. It Ernest came, Hemingway. It came from Anne Lamont. No. But, okay, so. Who do you believe, Ernest Hemingway You know, we needed to do this uh, newsletter. So I wrote the first Hemingway. version. It oh. wasn't good. It was like, here's some sections. Words go here. Tweets go here. Something goes here. It's like but, seven different colors, putting, different font putting, sizes. Putting the framework in helps someone like, oh, I see which direction. Because then you can iterate. You can, improve, you, can, yeah. you can shape it. Yeah. Yeah. Getting your hands dirty to, 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 exactly. to show them what to do. Definitely. It's really it important. It makes it way less scary. Too. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bit, it's a bit like what I'm doing. Like, you know, when I move forwards with my podcast, once I've actually nailed the total process, right. So that I can actually delegate really easily. Then right. I, yeah. then I will hire someone to do some of the bits. But the thing right. is, right. I don't trust people enough. To do the first one. Yeah. The no. thing is, all it takes is for you to like, like say someone said something to me. Normally I don't do video, right? So we'll have like a conversation and they might say something to me and they'll be like, don't share that. So then I have to go in and edit it. It's like, well, yeah. I'm going back in to edit that. I may as well edit it anyway. And yeah. I'm interviewing the best people. So like I absorb that information. Like yeah, nice. right. uh, you guys are the best people, right? You guys, you, you guys are a bunch of great I don't people. Know how and here, I don't but, uh, know. This is a highly recommended. And you can <laughs> Cambodia, dude. Now that is super. Cambodia, yeah, dude, that's this your name. Hashtag Cambodia, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Hashtag Cambodia, dude. But yeah. that makes the teamwork, right? The, the interpersonal yeah. skills the communication, all of that stuff, it makes the teamwork because you understanding like about their backgrounds, uh, what, what drives them as individuals. Yeah. And then bringing them on board with the bigger goal of the company's mission. Right. And then the project as well, because it all needs to fit in together, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much for listening. Please subscribe and wherever you prefer, share with your friends. And if you enjoyed the show, 
drop us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.